Before we go into John's joints, we were talking about eliminating one peanut butter and jelly or grilled cheese. It was a no-brainer with PB&J sticking around until I picked up the phone, and I believe Chef Robert is on the line right now. Chef Robert, is that you? Hello? Oh, no. Uh-oh. I think he's gone. Hold on. Do we have the other guy, too? Are you there? Hello? Well, the other guy is Yo, there. this is your boy, Chef Robert. Oh, cheesy. Yo. I don't... Are you really? Yeah, this is Robert Fochizi. Hey, Robert Fochizi. What's up? What's up? How you doing, man? Pretty good, man. Just living it up. Grilling cheese and doing up peanut butter and jays, man. You're not really Chef Robert, though. This is Robert, man. If you don't know, now you know. Melt Drop. This is me. What's your last name? Fochizi Twisted Melt. Hess, H-E-S-S-E. Oh, okay. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, sorry, we've been wronged a lot in our life. We're very uh, yeah. you know, skeptical. You know, Pe- People try to fool us all the it's time. It's all good. How you doing today, man? I'm doing dope, man. I hear that you guys are having a debate on grilled cheese or PB&J, and I say mash them together. That's what faux cheese is about. We do that all day, every day at the at the spot. So That's, I've seen some videos do, uh, of yeah. all the different things that this man makes uh, on a grill, and I mean he's taking the idea of grilled sandwiches to to another level. You're doing God's work out there. Well, I appreciate it. We call them funky melts, graffiti melts. You know, we even give you the ability to make your own graffiti. It's just mashing cultures between two slices of bread and I'm, having a good time, chef driven. Yeah. And and you're all about what we're all about, which is uh, you know mashups and and multi and, and multi influences and hip hop and rap culture. And your story, my man, is one fascinating one. Did you really lose more than four hundred fifty pounds? Yeah, I lost four hundred and fifty five pounds on my height of uh, Hell's Kitchen with Gordon Ramsay. I was six hundred and fifty five pounds, and a lot of people don't know. Is Gordon actually, after seeing me have heart attacks on the show, which was pretty real, um, he paid for me to have the gastric sleeve surgery. And it's been four and a half years now since and kept off the weight. And, you know, it's my responsibility now as a chef. You know, I give people that conscious decision, even at Bochisi with what you guys see. You know, we got vegan options, gluten-free and also salad. So you'd be the Jekyll and Hyde at when you come in, I had to make those choices. So I don't like to force it, but we just have everything, you know, everything in moderation, dude. Well, listen, we'll be in there for sure, man. I appreciate you checking in and, and thanks a lot for calling the show, man. Continued success to you, dude. Definitely. And then peanut butter and jelly, man, I'm telling you like, damn, skip. We do that. Captain crumbs, deep fried peanut butter and jelly. And also the 10 K wings, which are the peanut butter and jelly chicken wings that beat Bobby play. That's about to drop on air. Oh, oh man. So that's bold. That's definitely that, good. That that's bold. That's something to hang your hat on. If you can beat Bobby flay. Yeah. So if you like pad Thai, actually people don't know Detroit uh, and Michigan area is like, they're known for, peanut butter and jelly burgers to uh, chicken wings. So that's where it kind of came to play. And I, I use that to my advantage to do uh, my version of Captain Cr- peanut butter, Captain Crunch fried chicken wings. And they can't, you know, we're selling them like hotcakes out there. So Dude. it must be real here in Florida. So it's like Pete. So. All right. 
Well, we're going to see you soon, dude. Thank you very right, much Dad. for checking in, man. Thanks for supporting the show, Chef Robert. All right. Much love, you guys. Thank you. Hell Appreciate yeah, it. You too. We got to hit that up when uh, when it hits St. Pete. Yes, please. Yeah. That guy's really, sounds, really cool. That sounds pretty special. John, who fires up his joints every day at 4 o'clock, sometimes blues, sometimes Dr. Pepper, sometimes 32%. Ooh, Dr. Pepper. I haven't had those. It was root beer. But root doc- beer no, but I love Dr. Pepper. All right. Well, you've, you've sparked my interest. John's Joints being brought to you by Chassis Man Care for down there. You might have heard my guy Will call in yesterday. He worked in the kitchen all damn day on Mother's Day. Chafe free because of Chassis. They have an entire line of products that will keep you dry, fresh, clean, and chafe free all day. Whether you go Ice Max powder for something a little more intense and tingly or you go premium powder, they've got what's going to help you out in your undercarriage region. I say go for the Chassis gift set. You get the trio of premium powders. You get the five-in-one shower primer and the restoration cream. Stock up today. You can get everything you'll ever need for the undercarriage at ChassisForMen.com. What a great opportunity for Father's Day to take care of your dad's undercarriage. Seriously. And if you really love your father, you'll apply it for him, too. If you, if you do. into cruel and unusual punishment but sometimes I think when people do certain things you almost can get a better idea of who they really are inside than if they did something which would be perceived as egregious like if you if somebody stabbed somebody else in the neck you know you don't know what led them up to the point when they had to stab somebody in the neck All maybe right. it was in the heat of passion maybe that other person did something to wrong them you know so who knows right but when you do this this I have to, I'm led to believe that you're no good and and you may need to be either locked up or put to death. All right, what is it? Pet owners who adopted during the pandemic are reportedly beginning to ditch their animals at shelters now that COVID-19 restrictions are being lifted and workers are returning to the office. In a statement from the Humane Society, we're starting to see now what we think will be a longer-term trend of some of those pandemic pets, if you want to call them that, starting to be given up. The number of dogs and cats returned to the shelter has doubled over the last couple months, and it's only expected to get worse. The statement goes on um, from, from the chief executive saying, I think that's going to happen as people gradually return to offices, start thinking about taking holidays as well. I think very sadly we're going to see people returning dogs and cats because a lot of people bought puppies early in the pandemic for company and they don't need them anymore. Those puppies have grown into, grown into full adults now and some of those behaviors may be getting a little more challenging and people are rethinking the pet and giving them back. I guess there was this, a very similar trend that happened in the recession in 2008 amongst uh, when people started losing their jobs. They say there was a, a big rush of people giving dogs back then. So, scummy. I think it's just one of those things where there are very much two different type of people when it comes to just how they view dogs in general. And in, in, in some, it, it is a piece of property. It's something that brings you entertainment when you're bored. Uh, you could leave them, you know, all day or overnight and not worry about it. And there are other people who look at that like like a family member. Yeah. And, and like something more than just property. And, and I'll never 
It's one of those things I try very much to see the world through other people's eyes. Yeah. I will never be able to do that for people that could do something like this. Uh-uh. I just, it's just something that I, I can't quite grasp. If you can't handle the obligation, don't get a pet. So, Tom Brady, I've got a few pieces of, of, of great Tom Brady and Buccaneers-related uh, news. Police say an alcohol-fueled fight over Tom Brady ended with a man being charged with domestic battery over the weekend in St. Pete. <laughs> An arrest affidavit out of Pinellas County shows 33-year-old Brian Palter was arrested Sunday night after spending the day out drinking with his friends. Okay. According to St. Petersburg Police, an argument broke out between the friends while they were on their way back to Palter's home. The heated argument was about Tampa Bay Buccaneers quarterback Tom Brady. And according to the affidavit, Palter became enraged. Once he got home, police say Palter and one of his friends got into a physical fight. The affidavit said Palter hit the other man multiple times in the face, causing visible injuries and a lot of blood. The friend, however, a good friend, refused to prosecute. According to the police, Palter then got physical with two women inside the home and shoved them. One of the women slipped and hit her head on the kitchen counter, causing a large bruise and a cut. Officers say the injured woman was uncooperative, but the other woman was able to provide a statement. Police say everyone at the scene was drunk. Officers wrote in the affidavit they found a large amount of blood on the kitchen floor that was mostly cleaned up before the police arrived. No indication at which side of the Brady... This guy's got to be a Brady hater, right? I would think so. The type of guy who would punch someone else over Tom Brady probably doesn't like Tom Brady. Right. Or... I don't know, though, because it could go both ways. Somebody somebody who loves Tom Brady, it might be willing to die for Tom Brady. And he, he would put his life on the line. I'm okay with all of it except the fact he pushed the woman down and she smashed her head on the counter. Oops. Like, if you need to beat your boy's ass to, to, to prove a point about TB, yeah. go ahead and do it. But don't don't get the ladies involved. No no cracked skulls necessary. It's good policy, John. Jason Light, the GM of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, the man who has somehow uh, put this team together for a consecutive season to try and make another run at the Super Bowl, was on with Rich Eisen. And I thought Rich Eisen asked some amazing questions, like he always does, that really give you a peek behind the curtain when it comes to if Tom Brady is as involved in the decisions as you think he is and how other quarterbacks around the league might be looking at what we've got going on in Tampa Bay. I'm sure you're aware that there are some other teams with first ballot Hall of Fame quarterbacks who might be having an issue with not having a say in how a, um, in a roster is fashioned around them and to their desires. And they're all pointing at your organization with you and your quarterback and saying, how come we can't be more like them? And uh, what what is your relationship with Brady? Do, do you ask him what he's interested in? Does he volunteer it? Like, what what is what is the, the secret sauce that goes in right here, Jason? It, it, you know, it's, 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 that's a fair question, but we he came to our team with because of the great coaching that we have the great head coach and the, the the great players and he wants to play with great players there's never been a conversation well you better get this guy or we don't want that guy or uh, i've never talked to him about the draft bruce and i did mention to him leading up to the draft that we might take the quarterback just we would do that with any great quarterback but get alone the goat but he's <laughs> he had well, I hate to sound cliche, but he trusted uh, in the plan that we wanted to bring everybody back, and there were really no, never any side conversations about 
Uh, how far along are we with this guy? What should I do? What can we do? I don't believe that. I'm just going to be completely honest oh. with you. I mean, well, you're telling me that Tom Brady had no say specifically in the Leonard Fournettes and the and the ABs of the world and in the Gronks and all that. Now, I understand maybe big picture in the draft, he's not in the war room saying, hey, let's do this, let's do that. But to say that there are no conversations and he came there because of the great leadership, I don't know if that would be – are you tip? Are you know, are, are you are you giving away too much to say yes – he very much lets us know who he wants and who he doesn't want. Because if there was anybody on that roster that he didn't want back, you know damn well he would have made it apparent and they wouldn't have probably brought that person back. Yeah, you're right. Uh, One of the other interesting questions that they asked was how – well, I'll just let Rich Eisen ask it. It has to do with uh, Tom Brady's future and how long he'll play with the Bucs. We've guessed here maybe one more, maybe two more, maybe longer. I'm going to ask you the $64 million question here. Um, when you talk to him about extending, was there a sense that this is the last contract extension you're going to have a conversation with him? Did he give you any indication at all how long None. he wants to play? Yeah, all, all, I, you know, I want to keep all those conversations most of them private, but no, no, no inkling at all. Uh, told him if he wants to play until he's 50 and he's still playing and he feels like he can still play, he can play until he's 50. It's interesting there because I almost feel like he stepped over his words a little bit. Like he was going to say if he's still playing good, right. but he didn't want to make <laughs> it seem that he was, you know, getting the upper hand on Brady uh, in any form or fashion. Yeah. So that's pretty interesting stuff to hear. Like I said, I don't believe all of it, um, but but to hear him say that Brady doesn't have his hands all in everything, and 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 he, there's no discussions about how long he's going to play. It's interesting stuff. It is uh, the. Now, we haven't experienced anything. Have you seen anything locally about about gas stations being lined up? Or I have not. Nothing locally, no. No, nor have I. Uh, but some in the upper area of Florida, all the way to Virginia, have closed their pumps in a state of emergency has been declared by the governor of North Carolina after the Colonial Pipeline was forced to shut off the nation's biggest fuel pipeline when it was hacked. The FBI has confirmed that Darkside, a Russian hacking outfit made up of ransomware veterans, was able uh, was responsible for the attack on Colonial Pipeline, which runs from Texas to New Jersey and transports 45% of the East Coast fuel supply. The f- the 5,500-mile um, pipeline shut down five days ago, and services are only gradually being restored. Colonial, which is based in Atlanta, Georgia, has not yet said whether it has already paid or is negotiating a ransom with the hackers. I, I always think there's more to the story. I think there's way more to the story. Like I what? Think, I think there are backroom dealings going on. Oh. I think they... I think they I think John Doe has the upper hand, pretty much. I think they have, I think they're in control. And whether or not they've been given money or they're going to get money, I don't think that we just stopped the the, the attack in the midst of it and now everything's okay. You touched yesterday on the connection, not connection, but the similarities or at least the concerns um, connected to the Oldsmar water plant. Yeah. And I just think once you get these people who show what they can do, Oof. so if somebody can can hack a water plant and somebody can hack a pipeline, I think you have to take these people seriously. And yeah. I, I would never like to think that we're negotiating with terrorists, but. but if they can get in no matter what, and they're saying, give us money, or we're going to take out your fuel, or we're going to poison your water, or we're going to do, that's probably the tip of the iceberg. Yep, have all the monies.
Uh, Colonial said it was working to substantially resume operations by the end of this week, but reports of gas uh, shortages in, are already emerging um, up and down the East Coast as motorists were spotted lining up in Florida, North Carolina, Georgia, and Virginia. Meanwhile, at least 24 other companies across a range of industries were also reportedly affected by the ransomware attack. And uh, Newt Gingrich, the former Speaker of the House, called for military strikes to kill those involved it, calling it an act of war against America. Jeez. And I kind of said that yesterday. We've got to start, I think, treating things like this, like, like that. Yeah. yeah, I mean, if you're going, because let's say they've got the capability to do this on the widest of scales, and they can take down all of the pipelines simultaneously. We are as crippled, although there's not going to be death and destruction and blood in the street, we are going to be as crippled as if you dropped a bomb somewhere. I mean, yep. it could be that bad for us trying to thrive as a society. So I don't know. You think, you think, uh, you think Donnie was holding these, uh, these Russian hackers at bay the whole time. And now that they don't have their, their guy. I didn't think that until you just said that. Well, I just, I, I, now I do. I'm just saying we didn't seem to have as many problems with the Russian hackers, you know, with, with Donnie, but we didn't seem to have a lot of other problems with Donnie was president. Oh, man. You know what I'm saying? Okay. Well, I'm just saying the middle East firing off, you know, gas yeah, prices. No more mean up. tweets. Yeah. And that's, that's all that really matters. That's America wants. Yeah. So yesterday in a story that is up there with some of my favorites of the year, uh, there was a tiger walking around a neighborhood in Houston. And anytime you see a jungle cat or a large, a large animal that is meant to be somewhere else walking through a neighborhood, it's intriguing to me. Mm. But the story might be getting a little more intriguing. Uh, I do have a, a short clip of the audio of the, uh, the the tiger in the neighborhood before I give you the update. There is a freaking Bengal tiger boom in this yard, and this dude needs to be careful. Holy cow. Oh, my God. Oh, my gosh. He's going to shoot it. He's going to shoot it. I thought for sure he was going to shoot that. But uh, so it turns out the guy who had the tiger. Yeah. Not the best guy. No way. A murder suspect. Oh. That seems about right. The murder suspect accused of fleeing police with a pet tiger, which was filmed terrorizing a Houston neighborhood, claims he knows where the tiger is and who its owner is. Oh. Victor Hugo Suevas, who's 26, was on bail awaiting trial for first-degree murder when he allegedly ditched police in a high-speed pursuit after he bundled his tiger into a white Jeep Cherokee and fled the scene Sunday evening. He was taken into custody on Monday night at his parents' home and was charged with felony evading arrest uh, for fleeing from patrol officers. The Bengal tiger, revealed to be a nine-month-old named India on Tuesday, is still on the loose after it was filmed wandering through Ivy Wall Drive in West Houston on Saturday night. So they're saying, I do feel that there is some not-so-true reporting being done because they're saying it's on the loose. They just don't know where it is. Oh, man. <laughs> I mean, it's, I don't think it's just strolling the neighborhood. Uh, no, but if Victor Hugo, whatever his name is, uh, by the way, Suevas. Yeah, that's the author of uh, Hunchback of Notre Dame, Victor Hugo. Uh, if he if he knows where it is, let's just go ahead and let him stay out of jail until he shall, tells us where the tiger is. That's a whole new level of kind of um, threats. And th like, imagine if he's saying, hey, let me go or I've got my tiger, you know, held right next to a daycare center and I'm about oh, to, you know, let him God. eat lunch. You know oh, what I'm no. saying? Yeah. Well, I'm just. Eesh. 
I'm just saying. Yeah. So this guy was charged with the 2017 murder of University Houston dental student outside the Bellaterra shopping mall in Richmond, uh, west of Houston. According to eyewitnesses, uh, the person was approached by two men on motorcycles and shot several times. He was able to uh, get a few hundred yards before he, he died at the scene shortly thereafter. Um, the motive for the shooting is still unknown. Uh, but this guy is branded Houston's Tiger King. <laughs> Man, there's something about people that feel the need to have giant cats. It's, yeah. uh, not saying that all people who want giant cats are murderers, no. but there's probably a cross-section of people who have committed murder that also have big cats. The type of person who thinks he can domesticate a big cat is the same type of person who would have no qualms about murdering someone. I think you're right. In my opinion. So it's always, I think we touched on this story a few weeks ago, and it's always interesting to kind of digest what somebody did and then decide whether or not you think that person uh, has been treated right or got the right sentence. So let's, let's, let's. See if this feels right. All right. A teacher who was arrested and admitted to secretly recording hundreds of videos of students changing clothes will spend. Did you already see how long it is? No. So this is the teacher from Bloomingdale uh, High School who was in a, uh, it was like a clothing design class, and he had over 300 videos of students changing that he was keeping. What's that feel like to you? How many years? Feels like five to ten. Fifteen years in state prison, a judge announced yesterday Mark Ackett was in court Monday for his sentencing. The 52-year-old former Bloomingdale High School teacher used to teach fashion design and coach girls track. A 17-year-old noticed a camera hidden in a dressing room at the school in 2018. Hillsborough County deputies say they eventually discovered Ackett had hundreds of recordings of girls and at least one teacher undressing at the school. A judge officially announced his punishment last night at 7 p.m., sentencing him to 15 years. Years in Florida prison with credit for time served. No tears shed. For I mean, that that's guy. the thing. Like that, that feels about right. Yeah. Like it's. I mean, if he got more, I wouldn't be yeah. shedding any tears for that. Right. But I also that feels about right. Fifteen years, and yep. I'm sure they won't be. They won't be very easy. Yep. So, if aliens take somebody, let's Abduction. say let's say let's say somebody's abducted. Okay. Do you think that? they're more apt to be taken again. Because I, I just kind of think that if, if abductions are real and aliens don't want us to know, like, for sure that they exist, but they're also into studying our human bodies, that maybe they would take the same person more than once ra- rather than take a bunch of people and possibly have too many people knowing. You know what I'm saying? Once they know they can trust you, then they'll take you again. Yes, well, a grandma from Bradford, which is over the pond, says she has been abducted by aliens more than 50 times and has the evidence to prove it. Uh, Paula Smith claims that her first close encounter was when she was a little girl. She says they have continued to visit her ever since. The 50-year-old is sharing images of bruises she says were left on her body by aliens following one abduction. She also has drawn a picture of a silver alien to show what they look like. <laughs> Paula said, I have had 52 paranormal incidents. There's no warning, and I can't sense anything is going to happen. It just happens. All I can do is carry on as normal. Otherwise, I'd go crazy. I don't tend to believe people who say they've been abducted. So I'll just leave it at that. Paula claims to have been in a UFO. She said, I was on a craft and the alien showed me technology we didn't have. (laughs) Okay. They also showed me a slideshow of pristine scenery, which had a beautiful river, which then turned black. 
the blue sky went blood red, and soon I realized it was a movie of the earth being destroyed. <laughs> Paula, who says she works in the transport sector, claims to have returned home with a triangular bruise on her face and fingerprint marks on her arms. Mm. She said the first time I saw a craft was in 1982. I was in the woods, and it was completely silent. Okay. I will tell you, none of this... I mean, the, the one bruise looks a little odd, but definitely nothing that's going to um, that's going to make me feel like this woman has definitely been abducted. Right. But that being said, I do think they keep their abductees on lockdown. Like, oh, if you've sure. been abducted once, you're going back again. As long as they can trust you. Like, if you open your mouth about it, they'll probably just disintegrate you. Yeah, if, if she ends up dead in a week, then we know yeah. it was real. I, just so the aliens know, if they are listening, uh, I would keep my mouth shut, and you can rely on me. Abduct me over and over again. Would you Would you be down for butt stuff? Oh, my God, yes. Please. Cool. Cool. The U.S. Food and Drug Administration on Monday expanded the emergency use authorization for the Pfizer COVID-19 vaccine for kids as young as 12. But according to a recent survey, many parents are reluctant when it comes to getting their children vaccinated. Mm. Uh, the, the age expansion means 17 million children are now eligible to get the vaccine. But according to the Kaiser Family Foundation, less than one third of parents say they allow their children to receive the vaccination right away. According to the survey, 32% are waiting to see how the vaccine affects other children. 29% would allow the vaccination as soon as it's available for kids. 19% wouldn't allow their child to be vaccinated at all, and the rest would only do it if the school made it mandatory. My son doesn't want to get vaccinated, and I'm not about to force him, but if if the university he attends says, yeah, you got to get vaccinated, then he's getting vaccinated. Yeah, it's, it's also just, I don't I don't understand where all of this stuff comes from because unless I missed a major bullet point somewhere, like kids aren't at, at as much of risk as a as a risk, you know. Right. So if you know they're not at the risk isn't that severe for COVID, and you know all the one thing we we do know, which people hate when I say this, and I'll say it again, is what's going to happen long term. If you're elderly and you're like, okay, well, it takes a year off my life, or a couple years off my life, or a few years off my life, right. at least I'm not going to get COVID. Well, if you got a kid whose chance of having really bad COVID is small, why are you going to take that long-term risk? Great question. Well, that's just that's my, me asking a question right. and nothing more. It's a great question. I want to be canceled. Okay. The first National Hockey League, League game was played on December 1st, 1924. The first all-black line started together in an NHL game on Monday, May 10th, 2021. 35,224 days later. It has been a long time coming for the sport, which originated in Montreal. To make it even better, Tampa Bay's historic line won the opening faceoff. It was Matthew Joseph, Jamel Smith, and Daniel Walcott who took the ice for the Tampa Bay, for Tampa Bay against Florida at BB&T Center doing something that had never been done before. Injured forwards Andre Pilat and Barclay Goodrow were out, and Pat Maroon was suspended. So Walcott was called up from the taxi squad and made his NHL debut on the occasion, and it was pretty damn cool to see. It is, I would say it's crazy that it took that long, but just knowing hockey, and I don't even mean that in a bad way, I just know there's not a ton of black players. It, it doesn't feel shocking, though it, maybe it should. Uh, our buddy Flats Junkie tweeted it last night and then said, uh, unfortunately, I already know what the comments on Facebook are going to say about this. And I thought, no way, man. No one's going to have a problem with this. Then I read some of the comments on Facebook. And there are people out there who just, I get like, 
oh, why does everything have to be about race to a certain degree? But this is something to celebrate. This is something that should be noted and honored. And no one should say things like, oh, well, that's got nothing to do with winning the game. It's an historic moment. And sometimes life isn't about wins and losses. Well, I mean, what... What happened other than people just talked about it? You know what I'm saying? It's not like they stopped the game right. and, you know, carried, you know, these guys around on their shoulders and, 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 and cut into your local, into your sitcoms with a huge announcement about it. I mean, other than pointing it out and having articles written about it, what what really happened? I'm reading these comments as they are. I'm not skipping any. Equality isn't about spectacle. It's about indifference. Well, give them a cookie. Well, how did that work for them idiots? Getting just like NBA. Why do they think this is going to help them? Stupid. I guess they only see them for their skin color, racist. They are hockey players. Why is color even mentioned? Just leave hockey alone. It's the only sport that race is not brought up, so stop trying to bring in the race card. What the hell, man? It's interesting when... I'm trying to to just understand at least in a little bit if there's a, a a sliver of that here, and I just don't know what egregious act took place other than just acknowledging that it was history. Right. I mean, there's, Barack Obama was the first black president. I mean, was it was it wrong to to acknowledge that? Certainly not. I don't, I don't know. I don't uh, I don't get it. But but you know there there are people that would say. That there have been there's there's been a bit of a racist history uh, in this sport. So yep. I mean I don't know how much of that comes from the fans and how much comes from the players and, and the culture that's built into it. But um, mm. I thought it was pretty cool that it was our Tampa Bay Lightning that uh that, that did that. And if you if you think that you can <laughs> like acknowledge this and make an argument that you have a problem with it without being racist, I'd certainly love to hear that. I would love to hear your argument that. We don't need to celebrate this without being a racist. But I guess my only question for that is like, what's the celebration? Like they're not, nobody's holding a parade. Right. They didn't, you know, they didn't have a three hour special last night celebrating the, the, the first black line in hockey. No. So I guess it's just what, what happened that would be too much other than just publications and, and the NHL acknowledging that it was a thing. Man, it's so, crazy to me. It is. It is crazy. I'm uh, all burnt up. Uh, just one rapid fact. Uh, they're saying the Patriots-Buccaneers game will be the biggest regular season ticket in history. Yeah. That's yeah. That's pretty crazy to think about uh, Tom Brady going back to Gillette as a buck. What's up, Nick? Hey, guys. Hey, man. Uh, I think it's great. Hey, uh, yeah, I think it's something to celebrate. I think uh, a black line in hockey is a wonderful thing. And, um, you know, I, <laughs> you're going to have those uh, those arch sort of conservatives who are racist, and they're going to say, uh, well, we don't want uh, – really what they're saying is we don't want black people in hockey. It's our safe place away from black people. And I really think that's what they're getting at when they talk about, oh, uh, you know – it's nothing to celebrate. What's the big deal? So it's, it's all color. it's all thinly yeah. veiled racism, yeah, right? Is. Like because because like this comment I'm oh, reading right yeah. now. Oh wow, they can play together. That are what an accomplishment. By the way, that was sarcasm for all you puke liberals. Who cares? Are we going to make hockey like all the other crybaby sports? Where's the NHL equivalent to Kaepernick? Are they going to kneel now? Blah blah blah. I guess hockey used to be the least racial sport, not anymore. I don't think these people either realize or care. 
how ignorant and racist they come off by saying these things, you know? Yeah, and, you know, hockey has always been out of reach for a lot of black people because it costs a fortune to send a kid uh, into hockey. And so it's a great thing. It's showing that uh, it's showing that, hey, yes, uh, black people have come a long way. There are some who can afford hockey and look what they're doing. They're going all the way up to the very top. Right. It's awesome. Yeah, thanks, man. I appreciate that. What's up, Jeff? Hey, uh, I just wanted to say that get one of them 240-pound black dudes up there in defense, and then somebody wants to beat somebody up, you jump up in the ice and body slam them. It's a very evolved comment. Thank you. <laughs> 727-579-1025. If you genuinely don't care for the publicity there, I'd love to talk to you about it, but I can't see that coming off as non-racist. I mean, the other thing... The big thing is, is that unless it's just the problem with acknowledging it in a tweet, and that's where you really have to, and I keep just repeating this because it's 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 my only thought. Like, what happened? Right. Like, what what was too far other than just saying this is the first time this has happened? So that if if that is too much for you, I mean, I watched Sports Center last night. It wasn't the first story on Sports Center. Uh-uh. You know, it, and, and hockey is not often. But I just mean like if just somebody somewhere acknowledging that that was a history making moment is too much then then there's you probably don't have to dig too deep to uh to figure out what's going on. You're right about that John. Coming up next on Drew Garabo Live, sex rules. If you've got them with your partner, we want to hear about it and we'll give you prizes. John? Many weight loss has helped me lose weight. I feel like my mind is clear. I have more energy. And every time I go and see my doctor at Medi Weight Loss, I'm excited to step on that scale. And that hasn't been the case my whole life. Because now when I see that number, it makes me feel good. And it makes me want to lose more weight. And that's what they want to do for you. Medi Weight Loss wants to give Bone listeners a free assessment. If you go to startmedi.com slash 1025, it's startmedi.com slash 1025. Or call 877-MED-LOSS. They've got locations in Brandon, Southampton. Tampa, Lutz, and Clearwater. So hopefully there is one near you. If you give them a call, let them know you heard John Senning talking about it on Drew Garabo Live. You're listening to Drew Garabo Live on 102.5 The Bone. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.